Beavs are headed down to Phoenix for a duel in the desert. Let's get into it. Welcome to the Beaver Man Beat Podcast. Welcome back, everybody, to the Beaver Man Beat. My name is Pat Beaverman. It is episode 20. We have made it to the big 2-0. Um, if you're tuning in, a little flub there on episode 19. Recorded it, had it edited, produced, just released it day late after I released episode 18 again under the guise of episode 19. So bear with me. I apologize if uh, you listened to the beginning there of episode 19. We're having a little deja vu. You are not crazy that was a recording I had already put out. So hopefully you have been able to, to take in the actual episode 19. I had that re-uploaded yesterday morning and uh, we will continue to go from there and, and iron out those mistakes as we get going. But episode 20, we are going to take a deep look today in at the Oregon State, Arizona State series, which kicks off tomorrow night at 630 down at Phoenix Municipal Stadium. And this is one of the biggest... I feel like this is going to be something I say every week here on out, as this is one of the biggest series of the season. The more and more that the Beavs keep winning, the more that the importance of these uh, series will continue to pile up. And that's what we've got here. Arizona State currently atop the Pac-12 standings for baseball and just a couple spots ahead of the Beavers in the rankings. And it's... I popped up Arizona State's stats just to take a quick brief look at what that ball club looks like, what their MO might be, and holy offense. They've got, let's see, on the season, home runs, they have hit 50 uh, as a team, whereas they've only given up 32 um, as a team. They're batting 314 with a 900 OPS. OPS is on base plus your slugging percentage, which is your slugging percentage, basically the amount of times you're hitting for extra bases. Um, the walks to strikeouts is the kind of alarming factor here. 135 walks as a team to 275 strikeouts. So that is going to be where the Beavers are going to have to kind of get an advantage and run with it, which sets up nicely for Friday night's game with your most heavily centered strikeout thrower. Uh, in Trent Sellers, where this might be a game where he goes out and if he's on, he might spin an absolute gem of a game because, you know, that's kind of what comes with these teams that, especially that hit the long ball with as much regularity as this Arizona State team does, because that's oftentimes is going to go hand in hand with striking out a larger amount. That one kind of outlier there, and I'm just going down his line right now, and this was really an incredible stat line. is uh, Ryan Campos. He's batting over 400. He's batting 413. He has started 33 games, played in all 33 of those games. Uh, 121 at-bats, 7 home runs, 21 RBIs, 26 walks, and only 12 strikeouts. So he, I think, is going to be the gear, the cog that makes this Arizona State offense run is right there through number 17, Ryan Campos. Below him, you've got Five more hitters that are qualifying for official stat purposes, which is just two plate appearances a game. And then also you have to have played in 75% of your team's games. So you've got six of the seven people that qualify there, all batting above 300. And then of the unqualified, there's another two that you can throw in that are batting over 300 as well. Yeah, I haven't even taken a look at pitching yet, but I can tell you right now, this team can 
hit and that is probably going to be where they like to be what they like their offense to look like and that was probably their mo this whole year looking at these last couple weeks the numbers that they've put up offensively against washington three in game one eight in game two washington state six six and four so nothing crazy cal they did lose five to four in game two and then in game three won 15 to 10 with a four to one win in game one so for as high as these offensive statistical numbers are i expected the scoreboard to kind of mimic that a little bit but there are some games here where they're leaving some it looks like some runners on the table just because with these averages and these extra base hit numbers and these rbi totals you would expect for those numbers to be kind of higher all across the board but it might just be a thing of once they get hot they are really hot and it looks like they're getting to that way at least once a weekend. So that would be something to keep an eye out is what day possibly that we run into that Arizona State offense. What Arizona State offense are we going to see this weekend? On the pitching side, looking here, it looks like your main starters are Ross Dunn and Christian Curtis. Those guys both have nine starts on the season. And then after that, you've got a couple guys with three, one with five. So I'm not sure who they're if they have a heavy set or a hard set uh, Sunday guy. But Ross Dunn sitting at a 3.690 ARA and Christian Curtis sitting at a 5.74. Both those guys throwing around 40 innings on the season. So if this Oregon State offense can stay hot, there's going to be some opportunity for sure for them to put some runs on the board. Total-wise, Arizona State has given up 139 walks to 293 strikeouts. So not one that uh, walks with a ton of regularity, but one that I think if Oregon State's able to work some of these counts and get into favorable opportunities, favorable circumstances at the plate, that they should be able to string some hits together and make this kind of a shootout down there at Arizona State. Um, coming off a big midweek win over Seattle, 8-2. to two. It is a midweeker. It is Seattle. But if you just remember less than a month ago, the Beavs were up in Seattle and won that game by a much closer margin that one was six to five and they kind of had to sweat that one out that was a late home run they really put them over the top there so the beeves are definitely playing well right now one two three four five in a row no that's more than that five in a row in conference one two three that'll be seven in a row in total and they look to keep that rolling here against arizona state who has been playing well on their own end of things, but they also stumbled a little bit against Washington and before game three got rained out there. So they've got a game actually last night, uh, tonight, I'm recording this on Wednesday, so they'll play their midweek game tonight against Arizona. Uh, so a little bit of a midweek tune-up for them against a better opponent at least than Seattle is before they've got the Oregon State series. Oregon State side of things, Who's hot? Who's not? Who's going to have a big weekend for me? I feel like it's cheating, but I feel like you've got to stay with uh, Travis Bazana at this point. Um, he's just clicking. Uh, him and Micah McDowell, honestly. This whole offense is really coming around. So this is getting a little bit tougher where earlier in the season it was, you know, maybe pick one or two guys to have a good game. And you would see what, if they could produce for you. Um, I really like how they've opted. The, how Mitch Canham has shifted this lineup around Bizana in the leadoff spot, dropping McDowell down a little bit into traditionally more of a power area. And he's shown glimpses of that power this year. He's got three home runs on the year, which 
is a big improvement and that's something that I think was uh, kind of a surprise, I'd say. Um, it's not one that I, I chalked Mike McDowell up to being a big power hitter, but it's really good to see him in that three hole. I feel like he finds the gaps a lot and can generate some motion on the bases, which with those guys up at the top of the lineup, um, they can absolutely fly. So that is always going to be a good recipe there. And the emergence of some of these younger guys, Wilson Weber, he's starting to really come onto his own. Dallas Macias is looking really well, looking really good um, at the plate in the field. These guys' numbers might not jump off the page to you, but there's there's quite a bit more at play going on there. Whether that's strong walks or getting on base. Fortunately for Macias, he's <laughs> he's equal walks plus hit by pitch to strikeouts. Um, he's worn the ball five times this season, which is second only to uh, Forrester, who has taken six hit by pitches on the season. So kudos to those guys for wearing it for the team. Don't worry about it, guys. It looks good on you. Something that we want to watch out for there will be the the strikeouts. Is if you can limit the strikeouts this weekend against Arizona State and put the ball in play, I'm assuming it's probably going to be pretty nice weather down in Phoenix around this time of the year. Uh, today it's currently 82, and they will be playing in 90, 94, and 96 over the weekend. So look for a shootout here. This is going to be who can keep the ball in the yard, who can keep the ball in play. Um, I mentioned that Arizona State they got the kind of the big home run numbers they've hit 50 whereas they've only given up 32 well reverse side of the coin the beavs have hit 39 and they've only given up 19 now yes part of that is you're playing your home games in corvallis and arizona state's playing their home games in phoenix warmer weather is a little bit more conducive to the ball leaving the yard but at the same time oregon state has had some <laughs> some that are not flukes some that uh, we're going to be out no matter where you're playing in that Corvallis weather in Goss Stadium. So to each their own, it's going to be a, a very fun matchup to watch these pitchers navigate these Arizona State bats and work around that. It's going to be a tale, kind of like I mentioned on Tuesday, if the starting pitchers can eat up a good amount of innings and get into the later half of this game, maybe a couple run lead and go to the bullpen out there. It's something that I feel much better about. I don't know about you at home, I feel much better about it, giving the ball to the bullpen up by a couple runs late, much more than I did at the beginning of the season. Beginning of the season, turning the ball over to the bullpen was kind of like pulling on the slot machine. <laughs> you didn't know what you were going to get coming out of there. Where now you've kind of got this stable of arms back there that are very comfortable. They know their roles. They come in and they execute them very, very well. Uh, we probably won't see Kelhall just because he went on the midweek game. So we'll probably see him, if anything, on a Saturday or Sunday out of the bullpen. I thought he looked good against Seattle. But everybody else is going to be ready. Trent Sellers, 371. Jacob Kamatz, a 364. And it's tough to say. We still really haven't heard anything on Jaron Hunter. He's at a 303. My guess is if we haven't heard anything, I'm going to say he's not going to play and not going to pitch on Sunday, which leads me to believe that it's going to be probably AJ Lattery getting the start. Uh, I could see them going to Thorstenson. Uh, I mean, it's going to be a game that is pitched by committee. You're going to have to kind of come on and everybody's going to throw, I'm sure, a couple of innings that day. So hopefully we can get that series wrapped up by then. Uh, but at the same time, it's very difficult to produce steady offense when you've got a stable of arms in every inning that arm is changing. So 
I know Mitch Kahneman, the staff, Rich Dorman, they know that this is on the horizon. I'm sure they've got a pretty good plan, but it, it will be important that Kamats and Sellers can go out there Friday and Saturday and eat up a good amount of innings and keep the bullpen rested so that by the time Sunday comes, if Jaron Hunter can't go and they need to rely on more of those bullpen guys, that their arms are fresh and that they'll be able to carry a couple of innings over if need be. It won't be the first time that we've seen this Sunday game be a bullpen game, if you will. It's just going to be one of those things that the fresher that those guys can be and the more options that we can have out of that bullpen come Sunday could be the determinant on how that game goes, especially if that's a rubber match. That'll be such a huge game for seeding purposes and whether some of these teams are staying home come the first round of the regionals or if they're going out on the road. Which is another thing I'll briefly hit on before we get into the predictions is a couple weeks ago, Oregon State and Corvallis being a host site for a regional seemed totally out of, you know, it wasn't going to happen. It was out of the, it was out of touch. It wasn't in the right, the rankings weren't quite there. But now they're sitting at 21 with a couple big series ahead of them. If you can win these series, you can easily find yourselves in that top 16. I know it doesn't work the exact hard cut top 16 will get in an RPI and all those things will factor into it. But I think if the NCAA takes a look at it, they know they've got a strong fan base here in Corvallis and they know that they'll be selling out at least two of those games. However many of the Oregon State Beavers are playing in, those will be sold out uh, 4,000 plus capacity. Uh, so I think that is a great spot for them to put a regional, but we'll, uh, we'll see what they choose there. Um, it's a much better option than the stadium down to the south at PK Park. But like I said, it'll get cleared up as we go further on further on in the season and some series either go our way or go against us. But the way the Beavers are playing right now, it's hard to see many series going against us. Uh, and yeah, I'll kind of leave the postseason talk at that. I will do a, probably right before the bracket comes out, uh, a longer episode where I will try and preview what I think the Pac-12 will look like in the, the tournament, represented-wise, whether that's hosting, where the teams are going somewhere, and some of my predictions for those teams. And then I'll do a pretty in-depth bracket breakdown of the entire country's bracket once that comes out, um, and that'll be another kind of longer episode as well there. But into this weekend's predictions, the non-conference series of the week is the one that kicks off Pac-12 play on Friday at 3 o'clock. It is Santa Clara up in Pullman to take on the Cougs. Um, I'm going to take the Cougs there, probably 2-1. I don't think they take the sweep. Santa Clara, eh, not a bad team. I also don't know much about Santa Clara, but it seems a sweep should be should be what happens there, but Wazoo's kind of been struggling a little bit lately. Uh, so give me Santa Clara to take at least one from them. Down our other desert matchup this weekend is Utah at Arizona. Utah was oh so close to sneaking one away from the the Bears there. They got one and they just needed that one last one on Sunday to take the series and jump out of the 11th spot in their power rankings. Unfortunately, they will remain in that 11th spot and I think they will after this week as well. I don't see them taking two of three from Arizona at Arizona. They had a huge offensive explosion on Tuesday night against BYU. I think they put up 24 or 26 runs or something of that sort. I don't see that happening against this Arizona team. Yet I expect Arizona to probably sweep this series 3-0 and hopefully use it as a launching pad the Wildcats can as they start to kind of move forward. The only issue with that is if they do use it as a launching pad, their next conference series is against Oregon State. So, uh, you know. Maybe we'll pull for Utah in this series and hope to really knock them down a rung, but 
uh, I think Arizona takes at least two of these games, if not all three. Stanford is the next one up in line. These are all at 6 o'clock first pitches on Friday night. Uh, this one's technically 6.05. Utah, Arizona was 6. Stanford looks to bounce back after a series loss to the Ducks. They're back home welcoming the Huskies into town. The Huskies had that weekend split against the Sun Devils last week. Stanford's going to bounce back. Washington has been playing okay baseball. They've lost a couple series now in a row, just including the Arizona State one because they technically didn't win the series. Um, I think this is a series that Stanford will sweep all three and get really back on their solid ground and look to make a run and get hot before we get into tournament play. I think they dropped to eight, so they're probably going to look to really make a push here at the end of the season and lock in not only a regional hosting spot, but also they want to know that they're going to host a regional there in Palo Alto, or uh, Super Regional, that is. But, yeah, Stanford will take all three over Washington. They'll solidify themselves, and they I predict they'll host a Super down there if they can get through their regional. Skipping the Beavers and the Sun Devils, I'll close with that one. A little bit of a change of the uh, the program. Uh, the 7 o'clock, we've got the battle for LA. UCLA is at USC. USC looking to bounce back after dropping three straight. And UCLA doesn't look too hot right now either. Um, so I think this is going to be a real interesting series. I do look to USC to bounce back and take two out of the three from the Bruins. Um, I don't know. The Bruins just don't have exactly what they had at the beginning of the season. And I think it's cause for concern for um, those down at Jackie Robinson Stadium. The Bruins might be kind of scuffling a little bit going into the tournament, but where that could land them is as an underseeded team, uh, which as long as they can play well on the road and take a couple here and there, they could still find themselves playing deep into the postseason. Uh, just a couple tougher matchups along the way is you're not going to host and you're going to be either a two seed or maybe a three seed out at some of these regionals. But uh, I don't think it's out of the realm for them to win a regional as a two or a three seed. And finally, Oregon is at Cal. Cal series win over Utah, but I just don't see them kind of turning things that much around. Uh, I do look for Oregon to go down there to Cal, take at least two, would not be surprised if Oregon sweeps. But at the same point, I won't be surprised if Cal wins this series. This Oregon team is, it's a tale of what weekend you're going to play them on. They just took two out of three from Stanford and looked fantastic. And they dropped two out of three to the Beavs with no offense in the last two days. Really, on all the, any of the three days, they didn't have much offense. And that kind of is their story all season long. At the beginning of the season, it was swept, get swept, swept, get swept. And, you know, it was uh, kind of an all or nothing for them there at the beginning of the season. And it's starting to translate a little bit now towards the back end of the season where it's not maybe a sweep or not a sweep, but it is more so of you're going to come out and play good or you're not. And uh, unfortunately for the Ducks, that's not a real good recipe for success as you head down the, later in the season. They're sitting at 24 and 11. And finally, wrapping it up, Oregon State at Arizona State. First pitch is Friday night at 6.30. And this is going to be the series of the weekend, in my opinion. UCLA, USC, maybe. But I think this Oregon State, Arizona State series is going to be must-watch TV. It'll be on Pac-12 Insider. So that's kind of like the step below the Pac-12 Networks. That is what the UCLA-USC series is going to be on. Uh, so I think you're able to get it online. Um, I know I'm able to get it on my TV through like some weird Samsung live TV deal with a bunch of like random channels, but I do get Pac-12 Insider as my one channel. So there's an option there. Other than that, uh, Pac-12.com, you should be able to stream it online. 
But uh, this is a game I think Oregon State goes out and wins Friday night. Uh, I think that, that club with their strikeout numbers and with Trent Sellers, that is just a matchup made in heaven for the Beavers. Um, you've got a guy that goes out there and spins a ton of strikeouts versus a team in Arizona State that strikes out a lot. Flip side of that coin is that if they're not striking out, they're putting the ball in play and they're hitting it hard. So, you know, maybe defense is playing a little deeper. Natural grass, different than the turf. Uh, so things will get eaten up, slow down a little bit. But uh, this is really going to be a fun series down there in the desert. Saturdays and Sunday games are much more difficult for me to call. Um, but I do think out of one of those games, Saturday or Sunday, that the Beavers take one of those as well. And that the Beavers take this series two to one. Um, I think Friday is going to kind of set the tone for the weekend. I can see Arizona State wanting to fight back and take a game here on Saturday and then set up a really fun rubber match on Sunday that I think will be made possible by Trent Sellers going out and spinning a gym on Friday. I think you're going to have a lot of those arms in the back end of the bullpen ready to go come Sunday if that's the case, if they need to kind of get stretched out a little bit longer and carry a couple innings over to help piece this game together innings-wise. An extra innings game in the series is really detrimental to the Beavers, but I think that they'll be all right in avoiding those, um, at least fingers crossed. Keep the bats hot. It's a great time to go down there and play in Phoenix. The weather's going to be gorgeous, maybe a little too hot for me, but, uh, you know, I'm a, I'm a fair-skinned redhead, so not a lot is too hot for me. Um, yeah, give me the Beavs, 2-1. to one. That'll be my weekend series uh, preview and predictions so yeah going back down the list give me washington state easy arizona stanford oregon state usc and oregon uh, the oregon schools the only road schools i've got this weekend going down and taking it from their foes uh, another good weekend in pac-12 baseball and it will really set things up for what is going to be an epic race to the finish line here as all these teams sitting around the 25 the 22 win mark yeah, exclude Arizona, Cal, and Utah, but it's real tight up there at the top. Um, 11 wins for the highest conference team, nine for the next, I guess UCLA is at eight, but it is tight up at the top and it is going to be a mad dash to the finish and everybody is going to be coming out and swinging for the fences and trying to take as many games as they can stockpile them now because this is what generally when it matters, um, this late in the season stuff will be looked at with, I'm sure, a little bit more of a closer eye than some of the early season stuff. But that is all I've got for you guys today. I've got to wrap up and get ready for work here. Uh, thank you all for tuning in to episode 20 of the Beaverman Beat Podcast. We've made it this far. Um, next stop, the moon. So again, thank you all. Please share this with your friends and kind of encourage more and more people to tune in and check this out. Um, we've got a really cool community kind of forming on social media and people reaching out and whatnot. So thank you all for listening. I appreciate every single one of you. I got some Italian and some French listeners I saw the other day. So thank you very much if you're listening from overseas there. Um, I'm signing off now. Have a good weekend. And I will be back with you on Tuesday and we will take a deep look at what went down in the series and hopefully, hopefully, we can sing the praises as we did on this past week's episode. Uh, so, and I also get a chance to double back and check that one out. I do have the correct file uploaded. All right. That's all I've got. Thank you very much. You guys have a good weekend. And as always, go Beavs. Go Beavs.